All right, so now I have the Age of Revolution, which is basically like all the Americans. <laughs> and some French. The ones that I know that I'm like, okay, these names are familiar. I kind of know like the existentialists. Like I know Kant, I know Kierkegaard, and Marx. Marx is not an existentialist. Oh, we can also talk about Rousseau a little bit. Yeah. We'll probably want to talk about Rousseau. So this Rousseau. is sort of a mix of what you'd call there's a lot of political philosophers in here and some amount of psychological, psychological and like stuff. existentialist and then darwin is thrown in here which i think is oh no, you do kind do of do unfair do to do call do him do a philosopher we, we, yeah we're not even going to talk about that some of this is weird we have a timeline and some of it i disagree and then there's a lot of forms of government because marx yeah. and john stuart mill are in here so rousseau has like the social contract right and he's like the Man is born free, but everywhere he is in chains, right? Mm -hmm. But he basically was like, childlike joy is the best thing, and we sh like shouldn't take it away from children. And like, um, <laughs> he's probably against Locke he as was, far as the child yeah. labor question. And he was into romanticism. A lot of people think his work is like borders on like romanticism, like works of writing and whatnot. We covered that in our fetishes episode. I we think. did. Rousseau came up there. Yeah, which is great. he was like total. <laughs> He and just kind of creeps in there a little bit. Yeah, yeah he's like, you want to tie me up? All right, so then we have Kant. Kant. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. His oh, critique of pure reason. Yeah. So he, oh, something that's like, he basically wanted to figure, okay, so he wanted to figure out why, why people are like good and bad. And he was like, I kind of want to figure out like a philosophical way to explain all the stuff of like religion so he was kind of like uh the what thomas aquinas did he like did that from the philosophy side by the way i think these philosophers we weren't alive at the time i think we missed out because there probably was like an album drop when like kant was like yo my he new shit's like, dropping my new is called my single is dropping it's called critique of pure reason yeah or like right hobbes like you know, back in 1600s, he's like, you got to check out this new shit. It's called Leviathan, he, my new treatise. He came up with the categorical imperative, which is basically like the secular version of do unto others as you would do unto yourself. Oh. Yeah. Th th that was, so he had like two separate like areas. One was, was like, yeah, religious people are, like, so happy, but I'm, I'm not really religious, so, like, how do I make all my very upset, like, uh, philosopher dudes How do I impress happy? my mother-in-law? Yeah. She's very religious. So he, he said that, yeah, like, treating treating other people how you would want to be treated, like, that's that's one of the things. Another thing that's is... That's the goal of rule, bitch. Yeah. yeah. Another thing is the beauty of nature. So he was having like a Cinderella moment when like, you know, he was like, oh, my gosh, like if you're feeling super evil and dark, like you just need to open up your window and look at all the beauty. Take a little walk. And that's common among everyone like that can make you feel good. He also talked a bit about like these two worlds, like the the world inside our head and the outside world and like he like he took a little mushroom like he like sometimes he was like the beauty of nature let me eat this mushroom because then he was like let's get transcendental and a lot of the when you do transcendental like meditation and you like focus on consciousness and like what is consciousness it like was giving me this these vibes a lot 
of like where he's like time can only be experienced by something that's like physically moving so like we can never experience time firsthand we can only experience it while like holding a clock you know like yeah exactly yeah that's some bullshit yeah right, some next. shroomy some shroomy mixed over here it. i can't you can't uh kierkegaard he, kierkegaard is like my boy i love him so much he's Kier great kierkegaard He's he's the uh, the father of existentialism. He had awesome hair. He had hair like yours, the wave. Look at it, look mm. at that hair. Look at that beautiful hair. He had like Mozart hair. Yeah. Yeah. The father of existentialism. So he this is why I love him so much. He took laughing so seriously. He was like, You are fucked all the ways. Any which way. You know, if you if you are rich, you're going to be miserable at your job. If you get married, you're not going to be sexy. If you are sexy your whole life, you're going to die alone. You, you know, like <laughs> New York is full of comedians, but no one is funny. Like he was that dude. Right. So he was like the only rational choice is just to laugh at the darkness <laughs> of our reality and then he also hated choices, which I fucking hate making decisions. So, um, yeah. Okay, I feel like you're. <laughs> what? You're you're simple. You're oversimplifying. I that's what I he um, didn't hate choices. He said that um, choices give you anxiety, as they give me. But he didn't mean it in a bad way. He said anxiety is the dizziness of freedom, and he sympathized with people feeling that way. But a. a kind of the the key thing that underlies uh ex existentialism right and so we talked about right aristotle and this theory of forms and everything essentialism things have essential properties before they come into existence existentialism is the opposite it's like no there's a insanely large massive uncaring universe out there that exists the existence comes first and you give it the essence it's your brain you're the one who assigns meaning to you everything decide. that you see and Everything you take for granted in life is really just through ingrained hobbies. The fact that we are sitting on two stools talking into weird little metal things, microphones or whatever, right? Looking at like a little screen that people can see is like such a weird, alien, absurd concept. And like he saw absurdity in everything. But the point that he makes is because everything is absurd, it's on you. It's your obligation to create your own meaning. And that's what he meant by, like, there is then freedom in that. Once you realize it... I feel like that's more Camus and the myth of Sisyphus. Kierkegaard, I feel like... Camus more popularized ideas of Sartre. Sartre? Sartre. <laughs> yeah, but Camus, Camus is the, was, like... he. I feel like he's the one who is more like what you're saying. I feel like Kierkegaard... Because Kier, uh, Kierkegaard was, like... He was, like, the leap of faith dude. Like, he was, like... He was just like, fuck it. Like, he, the one thing that he liked about religion was that people just go blindly into it. And, and it, so he was kind of like, he was kind of like, you're damned if you, d you do, you're damned if you don't. Well, you got to laugh at how like ridiculous that is. And then you just got to go blindly into it. But he was, I think he was making the point that religion is the choice and a way to provide meaning to stuff. But as long as you acknowledge it's just as arbitrary as any other way of, like, providing meaning to, like, your life or to reality. Hmm. So with his anxieties, the dizziness of freedom is that if you, once you realize you have that freedom, 
um, it is very unsettling for lots of people, and so that's why people will choose religion or... Oh, yeah, right. And I think... And, that, and he was like, they'll choose stupidity, <laughs> basically. Yeah, and he wasn't dismissive or mean about it. I think Sartre more was, like, in, in like Sartre's plays and writing. Uh, he seems to be sort of have some contempt for people for doing that. And I know existentialists are characterized or, like, caricatured as, like, being obnoxious grad students who are like no one understands it's all meaningless the byronic the byronic, yeah, the byronic hero. heroes are basically which yeah. Camus on the nose Camus totally the, all of his protagonists are like a byronic hero mm -hmm. especially like the the prisoner one the stranger the stranger yeah the stranger <laughs> you ever given yourself a stranger <laughs> but uh anyway so i think that's that's a that's what that Kierkegaard quote means is that he's uh, not being judgmental either, being like, these sheep are like asleep or whatever. He's just like, it is terrifying to realize that you have that level of freedom to do whatever you want. You could stop your day-to-day -day activities or what you assume is your normal life at any point. And murder it's, someone. It's all <laughs> absurd. Yeah. Well, yeah, so Cam, as Camus says, you could, or murder and murder someone. Yeah. Um, but stop, that, uh, that concept shows up in... With Kierkegaard, Sartre, like, very into it and wrote about it a lot. The concept of suddenly realizing that everything is absurd and it, like, doesn't make any sense to you or have to make sense. Um, Sartre. 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 I can't. It's really difficult Sartre. to pronounce the French. Yeah, so we'll say Sartre. But uh, anyway, I think, I think that's what Kierkegaard was getting at, and then it was further refined by Sartre. And then Camus, I, I think, really then by writing novels and plays, sort of popularize these concepts. Yeah, I love Camus. He's we'll talk great. about him next, uh, maybe. Should we, should we talk later. about... <laughs> yeah, because Camus recent. Camus yeah. like post-World War II. So Marx, I think, is the last one in the revolution, and then we'll go into the modern world, and there's only four in that one. All right. Okay. So Marx, Marx, Marx he up. was like the communist ma manifesto. He's... <laughs> Mm -hmm. He was, but you know, he, he was, he, it was cool because he, um, he was like, people get really sad when they, when they like lose connection with like their furniture and whatnot. So like, he was like, I'm sitting in a chair right now, but like who made this chair? I wish to know the person who made it. And he was like, I can't cause I got it from Amazon. So why don't I live on a commune? And like, we all can make each other chairs and stuff like that and like care for each other. Yeah, again, kind of a, a jump there, but Marx really analyzed like what capitalism does, and so he <laughs> talks about the the fetishization of commodities. He was like, "It's the <laughs> it's just the Grace Jones song." Not he fetishization, as from our right, as we explained in our fetishes episode, it just means turning like a an object more important than a real person. Yeah, or turning a living thing into an object, yeah. even or a a thing with meaning into an object. So, a commodity like these nice. Ikea stools that we're sitting on, which are made out of plastic, which comes from oil and metal that was mined somewhere, and they were all assembled by, I hope they were treated well, laborers in some far-off country, and then shipped to America where they were assembled. Treating that is just an object. Um, so he kind of breaks down that capitalism is incredibly good at hiding, sort of like the source of the stuff that you consume and where it comes from, and minimizing the role of like the labor that builds the thing. Yeah, and he, he had, like, concepts of a, of a utopia, which is, like, the, mar yeah, the, the communist utopia. So, 
depending who. I mean, right, many people argue that Marx they thought was a great uh, historian, but actually like pretty terrible philosopher, uh, depending who you read, um, and that he wrote actually a pretty good summary sort of of, of like uh, Russia up to the, the point, like when he was writing it. Um, but also that like Marx is, I mean, communism is going to get a bad rap because it's probably like the, the major source of death throughout like the 20th century. Um, between like China and, and Russia and the Soviet Union. Oh yeah, he was like, there's always a ruling class, like the proletarian, or there's the the bourgeois and like the the proletarians, and like that's what's the cause of conflict. So if we just destroy class, then there won't be like conflict. Sort of, but what he said is he wasn't even advocating that we should like there should be a revolution. So Marx gets unfortunately like Lenin and Stalin then acted in, like very acted out very brutally to like bring about Marxism. But Marx actually thought capitalism would go away on its own. They were like, we're all going to make chairs and sit in them. God damn it. <laughs> so yeah, Marx argued that like um, over time, the, the power of labor, he was wrong by the way, that, that like labor would, would gain more and more power and exploitation would have to end just as, as like technology advanced and there was more and more surplus uh, and everybody got richer, eventually, like, the proletariat would become on the same level as the bourgeois, and capitalism would have to end, and you'd get, like, a pretty even social, like, and flat social structure. And you'd have to use Marx dollars <coughs> and go to Burning Man. And instead, uh, instead yeah. Instead, Shenzhen, China <laughs> happened. Yeah, I mean, kind of Lenin then, yeah, yeah, seized power, and then Stalin was incredibly brutal about... Uh, running the Soviet Union, and so, yeah, I got a bad rap. Um, okay, so, so Nietzsche. <laughs> yeah. So Nietzsche, the modern okay. world. Yeah, so he's, he's, got, he's got some pretty niche philosophies. Yeah. Do you, do you know about Nietzsche? He's, he's the one who's like, he's like, God is dead. Oh, that's right. What a provocative statement. He's like, you got to check out my new album, my new single. Is God, God is, is dead. dead. God yeah. Is dead. Yeah, what's the context of that? What does that mean? Well, here's his thought process, okay? He said, Christianity says that everything in this world is less important than that of the next world after death. It says we should turn away from what seems important and try in, in life and try and transcend it. Mm -hmm. But in doing this, we turn away from life itself. Christianity's idea of man undermines what we are capable of. We must surpass this limiting idea and then, like, and besides, God is dead. So he's basically saying that man will, man will surpass itself. Like, like the greatest things you can do are like in your own life. And he, uh, he had this concept of like the Superman, right? The like Ubermensch. Yeah. Um, which then led to Nazism. Yep. Which is like yikes. What is it? He spoke Zarathustra. Thus, thus spoke, spoke Zarathustra. Oh, I can never say it. Yeah, I can't say it. Uh, I never read it. Was it a good novel? Yeah, it's just about like this the prophet named okay. Zara, 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 where we love to get Zara. our clothes. Yeah, Zara right? Fast Fashion. Yeah. yeah. They it founded a religion but based on the struggle between good and evil. And sounds like every religion. Yeah, and so Nietzsche is okay. saying like man is beyond that. Like it's oh man is over that. It's like Okay. But then, yeah, unfortunately, then led to Nazism and Hitler's belief in like a master race. So, 
Yeah, also, bummer. Bummer for Nietzsche and Marx. Yeah, because <laughs> history, history is not kind with their ideas. Yeah, he um, didn't... Be careful when you philosophize out there, those of you listening to this podcast, because uh, a d- genocidal dictator might just pick up your ideas and use them. His, his writings, like, in his time, people were like, meh. Oh, God is dead, but then he's dead? Well, but he was also, like... You know, he was really fed up with, like, oh, Christians doing all this being good and, like, you know, not doing their full potential because they want to reach the afterlife. So you should, like, do all your greatest stuff in life. But he he made his greatest impact after his death. Nice. Ha ha. So he proved himself wrong. Okay. And then who else? Is Freud in here? We're going to do Freud or is he more of a psychologist? No, Freud is in there, you know. As Freud's in there. Okay, so influenced by Spinoza. Yeah, and a b- no, he was he was trying to get to the underlying traumas that drive the the actions that we do in the present. Like he he believed that every there's like so much stuff that's like suppressed. He was like a Scientologist kind of. Oh, can I? <laughs> yeah, go for it. This is this is the 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 Nietzsche quote as t- as said by Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park. Go for it. Because he goes. God creates dinosaurs. God destroys dinosaurs. God creates man. Man kills God. <laughs> man brings back dinosaurs. Yes, that's that's it. Yeah. So f- Freud basically believed that there were there were a lot of like underlying traumas, and you have to bring them up through therapy. And once you once you talk about them, then you can go on with your life, which really is. I said he was like the original Scientologist, and that's. Do we have kind a recorded episode where we talk about like Freud's like developmental stages? And there are like five developmental stages. Yeah, we don't we don't have one. We'll have to do one on psychology. Okay, we'll do another yeah. one. Yeah, but it it has you know it's like you you could you have so many opportunities to fuck up as a parent. Like if if you breastfeed your kid for too long, they're gonna always want to be putting shit in their mouth. He's reaching. Um, yeah, he he reaches a lot. He's if like, if you don't potty train them, they're yeah, obsessed they're, with shitting. They're yep. <laughs> and uh, but all his stuff, I always want to be at like. At some point, they'll see their own penis and then try to kill you. Well, his <laughs> yeah, his thing was also like all the like weird stuff that people do. It's boys do the weird stuff because they're constantly afraid that someone will castrate them and so they have this anxiety yeah and so all the like and they, stuff they want they want to cope sleep with, with that. their mothers right didn't he coin this the the edible complex. complex yeah yeah it, it was it was more than that though it was like it was also still is kind of absurd it's wild everyone was like this is the smartest man of our century this is the charles darwin of our century yeah he was doing so much coke of our century and he's just doing a shitload of smoking cigars he was like he was like smoking the cigar and he's like he was like uh yeah oral fixations yeah uh phallic you know like he probably just slept through all his patient sessions so he could go out and do more cocaine well that was also a thing that was a phase and there is a german word for like when you fall asleep in freudian psychoanalysis we'll do a a therapy uh, episode and then like the last person we can talk about is the only woman that in oh, the we, didn't, we didn't really cover Camus, though. Oh, crap. Oh, yeah. Camus was great. He was really hot. I mean, and we kind of uh, did Sartre in combination with Kierkegaard, but we should dig a little bit into 
Camus. He was so hot, and he died really sexy, like a sexy French smart hot man. Well, we we also should get it. So Sartre was using mescaline, which is peyote. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Basically, like all these all these like 1900s philosophers and writers were like used a ton of drugs. They Um, were fear and loathing in Las Vegas. Pretty much. So Sartre, his his number one hit, nausea. Uh, and <laughs> that this, was at the beginning of his trip. I d- a lot of this, it, I, I think it really was just inspired by like the the mescaline he was on. Because I've had this experience while on acid before that uh, he talks in nausea about the the main character at some point, like looks at a, a chair and just forgets what a chair is for and can't conceive of like what this wooden structure is. Uh, you know what? That has happened to me when when before I was medicated for my ADHD, I I had an existential crisis where I was in my apartment and I was not on any drugs and I was like, what is all of this? Like I don't even know. Like who can I trust? Yeah. Yeah, and he uh, the the concept of semantic satiation satiation Sa- when you say a word so many times in a row. Yeah, when you're like podcast, 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 pod. Yeah. Cat. Again and again. Um, so and it y- feels and like your brain forgets the meaning of it. And you just hear the sound. And you're like, what a strange word. It feels like someone like walks on your grate. You're just like, oh, I had that the first time that ever happened to me. Someone feels like someone walks on your grave. Yeah, the first time I, because I've had a lot of uh, mini existential like moments. I wouldn't call them crises, but like I remember I was in like. N- like kindergarten and it was like playtime and they had a mirror and I like was looking in the mirror and I was like who is looking back at me like Mm -hmm. I was like what is that is that a person like I had and I had to like I had to like walk away so yeah so he said this this following in Kierkegaard but I I guess fleshing out the ideas more a lot of like what what Sartre sort of argues is if like everything really is that alien you've just been conditioned to give it a certain meaning that could be all of reality it just has the meaning that you ascribe to it because of the culture and society that yeah. you're in um, but it doesn't have to it's arbitrary so the existence of the thing the matter that's there the fact that you are like when you do something at eight o'clock it's because the giant rock that you're on that orbits the sun is tilted in such a way We're on a that rock. you consider it well planet uh, we talked about what it's made of last no, episode. I was, I was like, oh no. <laughs> we talked about the feldspar. <laughs> um, yeah, that's like when you do a certain activity and how sort of arbitrary and meaningless that is to have a schedule, the concept of it. So if you create your own meaning, that is absolute freedom, which can cause anxiety. Um, yeah. So it's up to you to create your own meaning. And then Camus, so Sartre posed this sort of dilemma or like way of thinking about the world and i think didn't have an answer other than sort of just misery because uh, the stuff he writes like his play no exit is three characters who just cause each other misery and one of sartre's famous quotes is other people are hell uh which is what the play no exit is about and that like a lot of misery comes from the expectations or meanings that other people have created that trap you uh, because yeah. you accept them and he makes the point that you've accepted them you don't have to you yeah. could leave your job or whatever tomorrow it's like all all uh, anxiety is caused by like your 
perception of like what someone else is going to think. Like yeah. if it's just about you, it's like there's no anxiety. Yes. As RuPaul famously says. How the hell are you going to love yourself? <laughs> I thought it was. Oh, uh, oh, if you. Oh, it's none of your business what other people think of you. Yeah. yeah. And it, which is RuPaul might not know of. But it's a very existentialist phrase. Um, yeah. So then uh, Sartre, I think, good at explaining and really digging into these ideas with the assistance of drugs. But Camus, um, who is a handsome rock star and war hero, uh, popularized these concepts and like was a great writer and wrote about them most eloquently. Yeah, French French writer uh, joined the French Resistance during World War II. He was okay, like, but like his books. very left. He was a pacifist. This feeds into his books. Um, he won the Nobel Prize for his okay, writing. What were his books about? And so he wrote three cycles for okay. his books, right? And so the first cycle that everyone, I think, knows includes The Stranger and um, The Myth of Sisyphus was, was an essay. And then he wrote a play in that series as well. Um, so he, in The Myth of Sisyphus, he, he very much compares sort of the human struggle in modern life to Sisyphus pushing the boulder up the hill. And the boulder falls down. He has to do it all over again. Yeah. Just like when you do laundry... And then you take the clothes <laughs> off and you put them in the laundry bin and the cycle starts over again. Yeah, that if existence is this sort of meaningless endeavor of just doing work, then what is the point of it all? And I thought Camus had really the best answer and where Sartre, I think, didn't necessarily answer the question. He just posed it, as philosophers love to do. Uh, Camus said, does the realization of the absurd require suicide? Oh, right, because he's like, you do have a choice. You couldn't kill you. And he said, well, Camus was great. He said, no, it requires revolt. Yeah. So Camus very much made the argument that, like, no, you have to create your own meaning. It's an obligation. It's yeah. on you to decide what you're going to do with your life. And it can be terrifying to have that freedom. Then but that's what you should do. He decided. So he makes the argument that right, we, ha we must imagine Sisyphus happy because he had work and a purpose. Even his own life had its meaning pushing this rock up and down the hill and he was like he could push it up and down different ways he could like push it up with his butt one day and mm -hmm. you know so he's, yeah so he ends that essay with we we must imagine sisyphus happy yeah so then camus made the choice to cancel a plane ticket and to take a ride with his publisher <laughs> yeah oh <laughs> uh, hey artist artist Eve Moore. so yes camus, camus famously died in a car crash just like james dean yeah. Uh, and yeah, he went out in a blaze of glory. But it, w it was like a last minute decision, too. It was like his publisher was like, hey, instead of like going to wherever you're going to go, why don't you take a little drive with me? I mean, I don't know how safe were planes in 1960. So who knows? <laughs> so. All right. So we'll end with Simone de Beauvoir. Oh, yeah. There was Parker. one woman in the beginning and now there's one woman at the end. Let's do the ladies corner. We'll end with the ladies corner. <laughs> the ladies. So Simone de Beauvoir is probably the Apart we can go over quickly, right? She just kind of lived in poverty and had sex in public. She was a cynic <laughs> in ancient Greece. Uh, <laughs> philosophers, That's awesome. man. That's a crazy bunch. Yeah. And then uh, Ayn Rand was not a philosopher. So I don't think we should discuss her in this and episode. And we hate her. She's <laughs> just a fucking third-rate writer um, who inspired a bunch of third-rate uh, dumbasses. So we're not going to get into that. Yeah. All right. Tell us about Simone. So Simone was basically hey like man, oh. man, 
she was like, man is like the one. Like man is human and like women are other. Woman is other. Because if you think about it, all the language that we have about like men or no, about humans is like assuming that we're talking about a man. And then they're like, here's a special little cute pink category for women. And this like fucks up girl like little girls and they grow up into fucked up women yeah and and she's like i don't know what to do about it i'm just like pointing it out to this you all this is kind of the foundation of feminist thought, yeah i suppose so here yeah like in 10 things i hate about you julia styles is like haven't you ever what about you know like because uh-huh. she's like talking about she's like what about the feminine mystique and what about beauvoir <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so a, g- a good example of this would be like what we're doing right now. And we're like all the philosophers and then the women philosophers. That's actually exactly what she was talking about. Uh, another example is like black history month. Uh, uh, yes. Or, uh, well, I mean, I was going to say like sports, like, cause they'll be like the greatest athletes of all time. And then like, they're all men. And then they're like, the greatest women athletes of all time. Like they're not even in, they're like, there, there's no women in that list. They, they have to have yeah. their second category just for them. And it's assumed that that category is going to be like already yes. like the best one of those is going to be worse than the worst one of the yeah. men. Well, like scientist mom wins the Nobel prize. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, you know, and she's saying like, uh, also it's like when we give girls like dolls and stuff like that to play with and we teach them like good qualities or like, to, this was, you know, this was in like the 19... Yeah, she was the first wave 30s feminist, right? through 50, yeah. yeah so kind of founder of the, the feminist movement. Yeah, so now we would, we're, we're kind of like, duh. But I, I will leave everyone with this question. My question is, that I wonder what she would think of uh, being non-binary because I believe she would think of like being non-binary. She would be like, that's an interesting solution because you're saying I don't want to deal with like any of this language nonsense. It's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like Camus like is suicide. Oh, it's being like being non-binary or, or choosing even a pronoun that's non-gender yeah. specific like they you're not going to be an oppressor or an oppress oppressist <laughs> oppressed yeah yeah so i think that's what she would she would say and you think she would think it would, she'd be like oh cool solution yeah yeah i, I appreciate the approach she, yeah post-gender yeah because she really was like i, I don't know what to do about this i don't know if i have a question but it, it was a thing that kind of came up multiple times in this episode right that we talked about like john locke and his like belief in religious freedom and how it, it led into like the American Revolution and their principles of like a democracy and inalienable rights. And he was like, but child labor, yes, yeah. very important. The poor should, the young should be working. Um, and then like occasionally they just hold these totally seemingly out of sync ideals based on either the time they were in or just who they were. They couldn't conceive of something different. So I'm sure John Locke, if you were like, yeah, gay marriage, like legal, he'd be like, are you, he, like he would lose his mind. Like that probably was something he never conceived of or, and he wouldn't get because he was probably like, no, no, within a Christian framework. Yeah, so like. Or he'd like take off his whatever, like de- his 
his pantaloons and he just have like like a rainbow flag like thong on and he'd be like i have been waiting for i don't this. think he'd be into it he'd uh, be like children made this thong though yeah but uh all of which is to say that i think as we've seen you know throughout that the philosophers are all very much products of their own time and their cultural context um and also they're always inside a different box like throughout history Hopefully, like the box is like getting larger as we like move <laughs> into the future. That in which Speak like for yourself, philosophical concept, <laughs> small box, small box club. Um, yeah, but they're starting from a very yeah small small set of I don't know allowed ideas or principles, right? That like Socrates was killed for like disrespecting the gods, you know, or like, uh, and it just goes on from there. So hopefully getting to the point where i mean maybe the existentialist nailed it i don't know that in being like no there is no box it's just you conceived it yourself all right so let's do our i like that so let's do our plugs and then we'll end with our own philosophy <laughs> oh yeah so uh, thank you so much for joining us if you if you like this we have a bunch of other podcast episodes on question block in in wherever you get your podcast if you really like us if you love us <laughs> Leave us a five-star review. If you say something cute, we'll shout you out. If mm -hmm. you have stuff you want us to cover for the future, you Don't can put it us. in the review. Yeah. You can just ping us. You know, yeah. the, the Instagram or the Twitch. You can stalk us. You know our address. Uh, come to Secret Law for a party or comedy show. Yeah, you can see us in person. So just look on our website and come to whatever's coming up. There's Ariel at there all the parties. There's an upcoming Friday show and a party. There's so Halloween. This is going to come out definitely before then. So come to Halloween. Come to comedy. Tell us, you know, give us a hug. Yeah. <laughs> we're we're back. Our, our friends who checked <laughs> yeah, in. Yeah, thank on, you so uh, much. On Twitch, shout out Chef Maki, loyal listener. And uh, everybody who checked in on Instagram too, including artist Emore and Michael Ferrar. And Ian, yeah, Ian and I saw in Dave in there. Yep. And um, so, what's your philosophy? Oh man, I don't have a unique one. I just I I'm just copying Camus. I thought he was really cool. <laughs> so I, I just like, like that. I like that. Uh, yeah, I mean, or, or the Anthony Bourdain, like <laughs> Anthony Bourdain. Yeah, the Anthony Bourdain, like Epicureanism mixed with existentialism. You have to provide your own life meaning, make it a uh, sustainably fun. I suppose is maybe the way to do it. So eat slow, drink a, drink a Negroni, maybe two, um, but hang out with your friends. I used to, this, did you like have a quote on your like AOL Instant Messenger or on your early Facebook, you got to put a quote for yourself? I mean, mine used to be defying gravity, so. Okay. So mine was a quote from, there's this. Uh, also flyer than altitude, altitude cruise. What? Flyer than altitude cruise. I don't even know what that means. Like, I'm more fly than, like, a plane that's flying in altitude cruise. What's altitude cruise? Like, that's where planes fly. I didn't know that was even a term. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> I personally, um, I used to have this quote from the the British Scabby on the specials, and it's, enjoy yourself. It's later than you think. <gasps> oh, that's cute. Which I oh, think is a very, a you very, your life like that. I think kind of sums it up pretty well. It's a very, uh existentialist slash epicurean quote i like that oh that's really cute i i would i would say like i would say like everything is like your moment so like live your moment live your best life 
you better lose yourself. Yeah. No, you, I'm always like, I'm always like, am I going to look back on this as like a good memory or not? Like, you know, not because I, I want to look back on stuff, but fight club. This is your life. This is, yeah, exactly. The Tyler Durden. You're dying one second at a time. Yeah. And we're going to play, play ourselves out. <laughs> I gotta do that at parties. From I'll, I'll play myself out. I'll play out myself play, out. Play my own exit music with the ultimate philosopher, Billie Eilish. <laughs>